You're listening to Tech Recruit, a podcast that educates talent acquisition and recruitment professionals on innovation to attract talent across all industries. We're glad you're here. Hey, Tech Recruit fans, just wanted to take a quick moment to remind you to follow us on Twitter at TechRecruit underscore. You can also find our page on Facebook at Tech Recruit and our group, the Tech Recruit group, where all of our speakers and attendees are hanging out and talking about all the topics and things that they learned at the Tech Recruit conference. And we'll look forward to seeing you at LAX Tech Recruit July 18th in Playa Vista, Silicon Beach, and Midwest Tech Recruit in Chicago, September 18th. See you there. Welcome to the Tech Recruit Podcast. My name is Stacey Broadwell. I'll be your host. And today we have as our guest, Mr. Derek Zeller, who is an influencer, an author, and a mentor. Welcome, Derek. Hey, how are you, Stacey? I am doing really well. It's supposed to rain today down here in Los Angeles. Yeah, I've heard that. So unusual. I'm in Portland. It rains all. We're gonna get snow for the next three days. Yeah, yeah. I know that you have you have your share of weather in Oregon. We definitely have our share of weather. (laughs) Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting. And everybody freaks out in Portland when it snows. And it's you know having lived in the Northern Virginia, D.C. area for almost 20 years, it just makes me giggle that people are like literally running to the Fred Meyer right now and buying bread. <laughs> They're going th- undercover. Yeah, the big thing is, is like, and they did this in Virginia too. It was like people, when it was going to snow, everybody freaked out and they ran to the grocery store and they would buy milk, bread, and eggs. And the only thing I could think of is why is nobody buying nutmeg? Because you're obviously making French toast. And brandy. And brandy. I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, I just make back in the day, I was just making sure I had plenty of alcohol. Because <laughs> I knew I wasn't gonna make it to the bar. <laughs> so I wanted to you know. But not anymore. Now you're anymore. taking care of yourself. Now I'm taking very good care of myself. I've lost quite a bit of weight to the point where I have to go get a new belt because my uh all my pants, I look like Jethro from the Hillbillies. I need to go get a rope. You and I met each other um, recently, actually, uh, yeah. in 2018. I had reached out to you about being a speaker at my conference, LAX Tech Recruit, and right. actually spoke at the Orange County Tech Recruit Conference. Um, did. What did you speak about? I spoke about humanization in recruiting. So everybody's so, you know, as you know, Dean DeCasse is one of my dearest friends, and we talk about tools all the time. But tools is only one part of the factor. It's like, it's gotten to the point, I've always said that now the game changer isn't so much finding someone's email or finding someone's phone number, it's getting them to engage with you. It's getting them to talk to you and giving them a reason why they want to. Uh, in this market specifically, but in my entire career has always been about the candidate and the candidate experience. And, and then when the candidate experience became a conversation a couple of years ago, I'm sitting in the background just laughing. So I'm like, this this, what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I wanna make sure the companies get what they want, you know, either from a third party or when I was third party, I definitely, you know, the, definitely the client was the one that was, you know, signing the checks. But I still wanted to make sure the candidate was cool because I've run into many candidates over the years and it's been a long time. I have a long, long and storied career where those candidates that you hire, 
they get promoted if they're good. Developers become directors of ma and managing other teams and so on and so forth. People move up those ladders. I want them to remember me. You know, I, I want them to remember that it's like, hey, I need, uh, you know, a C++ object-oriented designer um, that's working on the Unix, Linux, you know, platform. And, I, and the only person I know that can do this is Derek. You know, it's almost like job security. People, you know, they want to work with those who get the job done. And I do that by making the candidate be number one. What are some of the ways in which you initially engage with a candidate? Maybe what are some of the first questions that you ask them and how you proceed in that recruitment process? Well, I try to, I try, I've, I've said it over the years, I, I try to use, not use the word I in my original email. I always say we. And the reason why I say, say we is because that it kind of tells the candidate that it's more than one person that's seen their resume um, and that wants to talk to them. Um, I, I, my original engagement emails are always very on point. Um, I also believe in, I believe in job descriptions. I don't think there's a real post and pray. I mean, I've, I've never, I've always kind of stayed away from that because that always, it's a big argument. But I think if you write a really good job description and you make it about them and you tell them what they're going to be doing, too many job descriptions out there and too many emails are like, this is what I'm, I am looking for. Well, I, why do I care what you're looking for? Um, that, that's a big thing. And I personalize, I try to personalize my emails. I'm not, I'm not the, you know, I know companies that are trying to do internal RPOs that want, you know, a hundred phone calls a day. That's not me. That's just not me. I, I shave it down to, I want, you know, a couple of people I know can do the job because I've been doing this a really long time. And I know when I look at a resume, if it's written pretty well, that's the person I want to talk to. So I'm going to do some research on them. I'm going to jump to LinkedIn. I'm going to jump to Facebook. I'm going to jump on Twitter. Uh, you know, I even sometimes like when I knew it was going to be more like a, a former Google employee, then I would go see their, I'd go look on uh, Google Plus. And I want to see what they're writing about. What are, they, what are their interests? So on and so forth. And I've written that into emails. I know it sounds creepy, but I've had a lot of, and um, the other thing on an email that I love to do is in my signature page, I'll put in like really interesting quotes from philosophers like Camus or Nietzsche, um, uh, even Aristotle, you know, and I've had, because uh, I'm talking to people that are highly intelligent most of the time. I mean, I've had, my career has predominantly been in IT, um, and there's been times when I'm going to talk to PhDs uh, yeah. for, you know, get into analytics and things. And I've had some of these people, this one lady, she's now an adjunct professor at Harvard, um, she wrote me back. She's like, I'm really not interested in the, I'm really not interested in the position because I just took this job at Harvard. So yeah, why would you be? But she was, she said to me, she's like, she was the reason why I wanted to email you back is she said, I was absolutely fascinated by your email. And he was even more fascinated by your signature. She said, I thought that was really, she goes, I've never seen a recruiter quote Aristotle. So that was, that was, it was a great icebreaker. Um, and then uh, when my books came out, she, she read me uh, the first book. She actually wrote me a private email on LinkedIn because we're connected on LinkedIn. She goes, I read your book. And she goes, I felt like I just read uh, someone's private journal. That was pretty cool. <laughs> but see, that's what you get. You'll elicit human emotion. We're humans. Everybody's so worried about AI. Everybody's so worried about this automated stuff. It's not. It's, first of all, it's machine learning. It's not, it's not artificial intelligence. We're not there yet. 
We're just not there yet. Um, but if you're worried about AI, then this is the way you combat it. A computer is going to come up and, you know, it's like war games. That stupid movie from the, the early 80s. Hi there. Would you like to play a game? You know, and it, it's, it's, it, it's inconclusive. So I don't know. For me, it's, it's personalization, humanization. Recruiters already have a bad enough, you know, Google you know, recruiters are, and you'll just be horrified. I mean, I know so many people have put these in presentations. I did it once myself. You know, uh, Steve Levy and I uh, wrote a piece that really kind of blew up the internet on um, Recruiting Daily. Uh, it's called Hello, My Name Is. Tough, tough piece to write. And even tougher to read even now because it still stands true and it breaks my heart because that was almost two years ago and we just keep doing the same thing over and over again and that's the definition of insanity what tell me about the piece tell me about hello my name is well it's basically it was steve and i were making jokes about spam emails that we were getting that we were getting consistently even sent to ourselves and we had a facebook page <laughs> where other recruiters were coming in and saying, yeah, well, check this stupid email that I got. You know what I mean? It was just so impersonal, so impractical. And they were like, I'd get emails for uh, graphic design because on my resume, I've looked for graphic designers. So they don't actually look at the resume. They just say, oh, that's a keyword. They just throw it in, you know, right? and then they just send out a thousand emails so they can, they can hit their numbers of just getting emails out. Not literal contacts, not actually talking to somebody, but wasting everybody's time. Yeah. And so we came up with um, a concept. Our concept basically boiled down to uh, we were talking about real people and what really happened. So we said, like, veterans, women, um, the younger people, older people. Ageism is a big problem in California. A yeah. big problem in California and Silicon Valley. And they're just now starting to figure it out. And what other people don't realize is like, I was just up in Kent, Washington over the weekend. Because um, I'm thinking about moving that area. And uh, it was crazy. I was just, like, just going to get an apartment and we'll figure it out. And then all of a sudden, every like apartment complex we literally went to were senior living. And Dean, I asked Dean, I'm like, why is there so many senior living? living places in these, these cities, these little towns. And Dean turned to me, he goes, dude, he goes, the baby boomers, they're going to retire. They're retiring soon. And even us Gen Xers are going to start retiring soon. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm only, if you know, I could, you know, I could retire now. I'd be happy with it, but um, that's not true. I can never not work. That would kill me. Um, but Dean's right. You know, so it's like, uh, and that knowledge transfer isn't happening. And that's what, uh, there's a general concern for me on that. It's not just knowing IT, but it's it's the it's a moralistic um, issue as well. Um, but it is it is a knowledge transfer. It's because you know I've been there, done that kind of thing, and I I, I the T-shirt's so old it can't even wear it anymore. You know, so that's something I I, I just generally it's a general concern. So a big thing that you have one of the the topic that you spoke about at the conference is about making your engagement human. And uh, like I said, you're working with Steve Levy and talking to Dean DaCosta and just the emphasis on um, where your biases might lie or um, where the opportunities are not seen. And, but, but going beyond that and actually being able to engage 
a candidate or a potential employee in a, in a real way. And oftentimes that initial contact could be on LinkedIn and it can be on Facebook. It can be on the social media channels. It can be on a, um, a, a tech specific uh, blog. Um, and, and so give me some examples of some successful engagement. Uh, okay. So there's two ways to engage with people. There's reaching out to individuals, right? Um, sending out emails. I like doing phone calls. I introduced myself right away. I said, you know, when they answer the phone, I said, Hey, this is Derek Zeller. I'm, I'm with, uh, you know, I'm with, you know, whatever company I'm working for, I'm, you know, um, and, uh, was wondering if you had a few minutes to chat about your resume and, and some of the things that we're looking for here at this company. And I want to gauge your interest. And so what I'm doing is I'm asking them, are, would you be interested in a, a phone call with me right now? If not, would you be able to talk later, which is fine. Mm -hmm. And third is I'm interested in your interests. Right. So I'm asking them, I mean, I, can, I, I already know what you do. I've seen your resume. Would you be interested in this role? And I've had a lot of people say to me that that's the first time they've heard that. The other thing I like to do is like, I, I also, one of, the, one of the first things I say after I say, my name is Derek Zeller and I'm calling from, you know, whatever company. Um, the second thing I ask is, so how are you today? Would this be a good time to chat? This is a true story. That's my, that's my moniker is hashtag true story. Um, way back in the day, I was looking for a senior level three help desk person with Microsoft and Unix background. And it was for American Express, which is one of our largest customers. This is back when I was in third party. And I found this, 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 this guy and I'm just like, oh my God, this is him. Right. I mean, from the from the from the resume, this is the, the guy I want to talk to. And I found it in my own database and I called him. I said, I know I'm calling you out of the I, first of all, I said, hey, how's your day today? He's like, oh, it's been nuts. And I'm like, wow. OK. You know, I'm like this. I, I, I think I, that's my first opening. I'm like, well, do you want something that's not nuts? And he started laughing. He goes, what do you mean? I said, oh, I'm, I'm currently one of my clients is American Express. And we're looking for a senior level help desk person that would eventually become a lead and run a team. Um, I see that you've been in this business for a, a, quite a while now, and I was wondering if that would be something that interests you. And if it is, let's let's talk. If you can't talk now, you know we can we can set up a time. I said I work I work until nine o'clock at night, so I'm fine. And he started laughing. He said, "No, he goes. I just got off shift, so he goes. I'm pretty yeah. He goes, but I'm, I'm tired, but I'm also very interested. Long story short, we talked for a good forty five minutes, not just about the job, but about things in general." We talked about sports. It was back in Arizona. We were talking. We were laughing about how hot it is and how his one of his main issues is always like air conditioning. He's got like you know three direct lines to three different air conditioning companies because they got to keep the servers cool. <sighs> you know, and so that's part of his hectic and how many hats he wore. But at the end of our conversation, sorry, um, he thanked me for asking how he was. He worked twelve hours. Multiple phone calls, and not one person asked him how he was doing. That's humanization. That's making it human. He got the job, by the way. He got the job. Yeah. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> wow, I felt that. This is emotion. We're allowed to be emotional. 
prepare yourself to start you, you need to you it's okay to be emotional it's okay there's nothing wrong with it it's good it's good for the soul mm-hmm. you know that's an actual uh, a fascinating documentary on mr rogers i had no idea how brilliant he really was of how he broke barriers by doing things that you weren't supposed to do and that's what I think we need to see more in recruiting is I think we need to start thinking more outside of the box. And it's got to come from the top down. It really does. I just know too many directors that shouldn't be doing their job just because they went to Stanford. I was going to talk about that if you're comfortable with yeah. um, that conversation. Um, yeah. So, yeah, being human in the recruitment process. And here, here's, I feel sometimes could be, because I, I look at my own career path and kind of where I started in recruitment and I worked for a fortune 500 agency when I first started and that's where I got trained before launching my own agency. And I remember just being so eager to get through the candidates and onto the next one because you have to fill those jobs and you have to make the quota and you have to call 100 candidates to get five and maybe three are qualified and one's going to get the job, right? Right, And that's a tough ratio, but that was like the success ratio. And so being able to slow your role, to slow yourself down, to um, take time to understand what the candidate what the person is looking for is what makes you a successful recruiter. And, and I think that comes with experience that you have, Derek, not everybody is going to get that because they have this quota to me. And, and that's maybe, and you tell me if what you think, where do you feel this idea of candidate experience really kind of hit that tipping point where now everybody's talking about it? I think I think Chris Hoyt and Jerry Crispin from Career Crossroads um, really made some inroads there. Um, I know other people started to realize that it's broken. And you run into a guy like me who's working for a small government contractor, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm 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 getting I'm I'm winning against Microsoft. I'm winning against Boeing. I'm winning against all of the SAIC, Lidos, all of these big, 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 big companies. I'm beating them. I'm beating them. I'm getting the candidates that are taking my offer and not theirs because they want to come work for a company that has someone like me as the front of the company. I'm the face of the company. I also believe in, in working with hiring managers. I've canceled hiring managers. I'm like, you can't ask those types of questions. I sit in on meetings. I sit in on interviews. I want to hear what's going on. Yeah. I was also a compliance officer. So I was EEOC. I was OFCCP. I was the SME. And I was like, okay, guys, it's a new ball game right now. It's a new ball game. And there's just things you have to do and have to comply with. And it's just also being human. I mean, you know, just, there's just certain questions you don't ask. But it's also the attitude and in the, in the, in the attitude from the manager because, listen, they're going to be reporting to you. So if they don't feel comfortable with you, they're going to go take a job someplace else. And that's how I used to beat out all of these large companies because they all come in, they, all, they look all the same. They all come in with the same suit. White shirt, you know, red or blue tie, dark suit, Monday through Friday, no tie on Fridays. And it was just, you know, and it was just sort of like, okay. <laughs> This is this is weird, 
Um, you know, I didn't say that don't wear it, but you know, say that you can, you will be different here. You will have a good time. You will be taken care of. If you have problems, these are the people you talk to and you call. I worked for companies where people were terrified of HR. That's totally the wrong way it should be. I mean, human resources are, they have to, somebody, I just read an article somewhere, it's like, put human back in human resources. I think that we've, I think that we've actually done a disservice by calling it HR. Because we acronym so much stuff that it kind of takes, it takes away that humanization again. Mm -hmm. It is human resources, which I think is just a bad name all the way around. Yeah. Um, I just don't like that title. What would you call it? I don't know. I've, I've never really put a whole lot of thought to it, and that's really my fault because I used to, when I managed people, I always said, if you have a problem, come with me with a solution. If not, you're just complaining. I have an idea. Go. Cool. Let's hear it. Experiential employee management. No, I get Sure. EEM. EEM. Yeah, but let's make it into an acronym so that nobody knows what the hell's going on. <laughs> Experiential resources. It's all about your experience, right? That's yeah. what they're what they're doing. I'm gonna okay. think about that. So here, here is so we're talking about the candidate experience and kind of where this tipping point was where suddenly now we're making it like, okay, we need to take better care of candidates because maybe they're green now and they're just graduating college and you're um, they don't fit the role that you need, or maybe they're not interested, whatever the, the case may be, but then they're a senior level and then they're a manager and then they're moving up to a CTO and that whole career life cycle where you're able to still maintain that relationship is what's critical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and maybe when you're so young yourself and you haven't had that trajectory, that's not something that you quite understand. So how do you maybe train that in an organization? Once again, it's a top-down. It's a top-down thing. Um, I've been with companies where I've had senior VPs come to me and say, "I'm hearing a lot of good things about you from my managers. You're getting a, you're getting not, you're getting them really good people, and I appreciate that." And I, I say, "Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that you came down and said that, or you sent me a nice email." I said, "I'd love to get like on your calendar and chat with you about." doing actual training across the board. I would like to do like lunch and learns. I know, I know everybody's here and is busy. I get it. So let's order, let's order a pizza and some soda and give me 45 minutes. And it's not going to be a lecture. It's going to be, it's going to be interpersonal. You've seen me speak. I want people to talk to me. Yeah. I don't want you in that comfort zone of where you're just being talked to. I'm not a lecturer, right? I'm very much an Aristotelian. I, I believe in Aristotle's thought of free thought. And everybody gets a voice and has a question. And I'm, I love that. And I've had a lot of hiring managers come up to me and say, wow, I never thought of it that way. Because their just personalization has been dr driven out of them so much in these corporations and companies. It's why a lot of people want to go work for a small software company or startups. It's the thrill of building something. But everybody there, you can't do that. You've got to have each other's back. It's, you know, all my military hires, that was a big thing for them. It's like, they have a, a saying, I, I got your six, which means six o'clock, which is your back is, you're at noon, they're at six. You know what I mean? And that's something they look for in companies. And, you know, there's, there's companies out there that really screwed up. Um, 
And now with social media and everybody's a freaking reporter, you do something stupid and you're going to get caught. Um, I didn't read the whole story on it and I, I didn't really, I don't know very much about it, but apparently Walmart slammed their hand in the door because they let go of a bunch of um, greeters that were disabled or something and immediately hired them back because like the world went nuts. Like people were boycotting Walmart. And that was just like, oh my God, you know, I'm like, I didn't even know, I didn't even read that, you know, I, was, I, I don't, I was staying off of the computer for a couple of days kind of thing. But, you know, it's, um, now a report just came out on ERE, I think ERE put it out, I don't know, Craig may put it out. No, I think it was Tech Recruit. <laughs> tech Recruit, I think Tech Recruit probably <laughs> broke the story. Um, now, now, now Google's, Google's saying now that they've underpaid men more than they've underpaid women. Really? <laughs> really? Okay. Way to spin doctor that. Okay, this is going to be interesting to see where this goes. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I mean, okay, whatever. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of, it's just kind of one of those weird things. I had a conversation recently and, and I felt like you would be perfect to kind of weigh in on this. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Ten years ago, when I started recruiting, and, and you know the traditional recruitment full desk model, where you are posting your your position, you're doing the intake meeting, you're posting, you're doing your sourcing, you're doing your calls, you're doing your um, interviews, you're bringing them in, you're presenting like the full desk, right? Now, um, I was speaking with somebody recently and saying how companies, especially internal uh, larger companies, are moving more towards a model where it's split, where you have a a recruiter who just handles the um, second screening and you have a sourcer who teams with that person and it's a separated divide. And so I want to ask you, do you feel like that is something that model has always been around? Has it evolved into more of a robust model? Yeah. I mean, when I first started 22, 23 years ago, um, there was no such thing as a sourcer. That's what you did as a recruiter. Yeah. Um, I think, then we've got into this whole thing well we're gonna have we're, we, we don't have enough people our recruiters then eventually got saddled with doing all kinds of things that isn't recruiting so they weren't able to do actual recruiting anymore now they were just they were inundated with resumes to the job descriptions that were posted um they got saddled by like OFCCP says there's a definition of a candidate so any candidate that supplies considered an applicant, you have to reach out to them if they look like they fit the job. So if I have a software developer job and you're a janitor, I don't have to call you. I can disposition you out because you're just obviously not qualified. But if you do have the, the, the subset or set of skills that I'm looking for, I have to call you and, qualify and, and find out why you wouldn't be qualified. Mm -hmm. And I have to document all that. Well, that takes a lot of time. Yeah. And, you know, uh, in the corporate world, you know, you're working, I know mo most recruiters, it's, they, they're doing an eight hour day, you know, they're, they're, they get a, or a nine hour day when they do one hour for lunch, they come in at eight, they leave at five and at 4.59, they're shutting the computer down. I've never understood that. It's just not the way I kind of do things, um, but it's, it's how I was trained. So I, I think now the new conversation is, is it sourcing or is it research teams? That's interesting. That like I said, it's, it's much easier to get information on people now than ever before. There's plenty of tools that do it. 
and it's not just emails anymore. I mean, there's there's really good um, software products. I'm going to do a quick shout out to Engage Talent. Um, that really is more of a research tool. Now, yes, they can give you phone numbers, they can give you uh, email addresses, all that stuff, all that really fun stuff. They can get that for you. But it can also they're doing predictive analysis now. And that's the new thing. It's a big thing on Wall Street. It's predicting what's happening with a company because of the company's health. Um, you know, did they get did they get delisted off the stock exchange or NASDAQ, you know, like, or NASDAQ? Um, what is their financial fiscal ability? How many, you know, I know a company that went through three CEOs in two years and got delisted. If I'm a recruiter, where would I want to go hunt? Oh. What, what do you think the stability in that company is? That's like poaching ground right yeah. there, right? It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah. You call into that company and, and bam. It's going to be very rare that you're going to find someone, unless it's in like senior leadership, is going to want to leave. And even then, in senior leadership, they might want to leave. But it gives you a much better accurate poach, poach mentality. You know, and there are sourcers that are out there, sourcers that are out there that are actually more research analysts because they don't want to talk to people. They're introverts. They don't, they don't want to do all that first contact. They don't want to get on the phone with somebody. They just want to, they, they want to find the information. They're hunters. You know, I think that's like there's the old there's a thing hunter gatherer. You know that it's there's the hunters that go out and hunt and the gatherers that that grow. I think recruiting has become the gatherers, and I think sourcing has become the hunters. And they're they're going out and and bringing research. By the way, especially in a lot of different industries, you bet your bottom dollar that Amazon wants to know what Microsoft's working on, and Microsoft wants to know what Google's working on. Have you ever noticed they're all coming out with the same product at different times? Because they go in and poach the, the team that finished the product. It's like, well, you finished that product. Come bring it to us. We'll give you some more money. And you get to do it all over again. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, I mean, I know I'm talking in IT terms, but this this, this refers to, to any manufacturing. You know, I know a company that was uh, in desperate need of people who did um, manufacturing in Ohio. And were having a hard time to find people to move to Lima, Ohio. That's where the factory was. And we engaged talent tool one more time. It's the last don't talk about them. But engaged talent was able to find a factory 45 miles away that was shutting down and had 350 people that were losing their job. Yeah. And the company just was like, what, 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 what was that? <laughs> how come we didn't know this? Like, I mean, literally, like they were just like, how come we didn't know? I'm like, because you're not doing, you're not using sourcing to its fullest potential. You just want phone numbers and emails. That's not the way it works. I guess, I mean, it's the research on finding information on people and why they would want to contact you. What's going on with the company of where you know this might be the company to go hunt from. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I need XYZ type of person. Okay, I'm going to go out and find out what companies carry, have those types of people in the area or in the country if they're, you know, if we're willing to relocate. And a lot of companies are. Um, they're willing to pay for good talent. So I'm going to go out and find that ABC company and I'm going to start digging in and finding those people. And there's a lot of ways to do that too, but that's the research piece of it. And that's where I think sourcing is really going. I'm, I'm excited about that. I really am. You know, I can, I definitely, so we were talking about why, um, why sourcing has now been divided from like a different sort of recruiter role where the recruiter is doing the recruitment, like, 
but not the sourcing aspect of it. And so I, I think on the front end, when you're doing that quote unquote talent mapping, when you're surveying the landscape, seeing where your opportunities to find candidates or companies that have the similar candidates, or maybe they have similar tech stacks, you know, or, or new universities or companies that have high turnover taking into growth and, you know, all that sort of thing um, that you can do on the front end. But then taking in a tool, like you said, engaged talent and being able to harness that open source intelligence. Right out there um, on a continuous basis, that right there in itself is a job. Mm -hmm. um, so, oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, and the thing too is we, becoming, we are becoming more of an automated society. Um, there's some really great tools out there uh, that will automate your social media for you. Um, what's the, what, what was his name? The, he, was at our, uh, he was at our conference last Uncommon? Year. Was it Uncommon? Or what uh, was the? No, the guy. The, the guy? He has the, 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 he sends you a text and an email saying, hey, do you want to post this? Oh, oh, Alistair from Content Alistair. Out. yeah. Say yeah, that again. Great. Yeah, was a Contact Out, right? Co uh, content Out, yeah. Content Out. Check that out. out. That is such a cool tool. Content um, App. At Content App. Yes, okay. Content App. Okay, and another cup of coffee, apparently. <laughs> um, but it really is kind of cool because it'll you set it up, you set it up on Content App. You tell them where you want to go, where you want your stuff to be posted. So I I post on LinkedIn, I post on Facebook, I post on Twitter, and it does all for me. It's all automated. All I have to do is say yes or no if I like the article or not, and that means I, my name is out there, right? And it's not just for recruiters, but it's for candidates. Mm -hmm. In fact, I need to talk about. I would like to. I I think one of the things that would be great with that particular thing is is just interesting articles. Period. What I've told people over in the past is, if you're recruiting for information assurance, let's say, or you're recruiting for data analysts, data analysts are really big right now. Um, sign up for a bunch of data analyst sites that have articles about data analysts. Sign up to Tableau. Sign up to you know SQL Server, so on and so forth, and how they're using it. Um, exposés, so on and so forth, and start tweeting that out and putting that into your LinkedIn account. Because data analysts, and use the hashtags, because data analysts and, and the, the generations now are, are looking and they're having their own buckets of articles they would want to read, and they just don't want to have to go find the information themselves. So if you give it to them, they're like, ah, this guy gets it. Or Stacy really gets me. Gets what I'm doing, and that's really cool. I want to talk to Stacy Broadwell because now I need a job. Or I've decided I'm going to look for a job. The first person I'm going to call is, is Stacy because Stacy's been posting stuff about what I do. So obviously you get it. I took a look at your profile, right? And your LinkedIn profile, we did this last year. Your LinkedIn profile, Lou Adler says this as well, is your LinkedIn profile, if you're a recruiter, should not look like a resume. It should be saying, this is what I'm looking for. And this is how you can contact me. I have probably 45 uh, um, connection requests on LinkedIn sitting in my inbox right now. And I'm getting, I'm getting requests from software developers that people will be drooling over. Data analysts that people will be drooling over. They're never gonna, and if they're contacting me, that means they're in, they wanna talk to me about something. So who, when I write that email, I'm like, hey, thanks for the LinkedIn request. Happy to, happy, to, uh, happy to bring you on board. How can I help? You just want to, you, is this a future pipelining for you in case you need a job? Or are you kind of looking and you want to talk to me because I work for ABC company? 
Absolutely. Or because you saw a job on there and you didn't want to go through the obnoxious process that you have to go through for some of these companies, then I got to fill out an entire thing and then you want the resume and then you want me to re do the resume against what the application was. Now, there was one company I worked for that was really brilliant about that. You just, you just sent the resume in, you're just putting your general contact information. You never fill out an application. It's not until you were interviewing. Yeah. We would send you the interview request with an application and, and the application was required to be filled out before you come in and interview. Now that's by law. EEOC says you have to have one, so does OSU speak. You know, you have to fill out these, these forms, these EEOC forms, because they want to track everything. That's a metrics, and that's fine. But if I'm not interested in you, or if you're not, you're not, you're somebody at disposition out right away, then why did you spend a half an hour just trying to apply for the job? Now, the onus is on the candidate as well. If you're a candidate and you're uh, just fly-by-nighting, sending out emails and resumes so you can get your um, unemployment check, that's your fault, not mine. You know, don't look at a job and say, oh, I, can, I, I, I can't do that, but I'm just going to go ahead and apply anyway so I can show that I applied for five jobs this week and then I get my check. There's a lot of states that do that. That's, that, that's an interesting kind of almost a topic in itself, though. The, the person who's looking for a new job that just ends up blanketing the entire job site with their resume that isn't tailored by any means it's just that they're up one night and they're just pounding away just submitting the resume submitting the resume and just like clogging up databases with their resume and um not really wondering where why they're not getting any feedback or what's going on that could be a whole different topic <laughs> oh yeah which is a good it's, it's like having a good job description really specifically saying this is what you'll be doing and what's expected of you and these are the things that we're looking for but this is the job so people look at it and say, oh, well, that's for a front-end developer. I don't want to be a front-end developer, so I'm not going to apply. Yeah. But if you put it in that you don't say that it's a front-end developer or a back-end developer or this is a Unix systems administrator, and these are the, this is the, the, the language and the flavors that we're using, they're not going to apply most of the time. At least, in my, at least I've seen that. I know, I know people that say it completely opposite, but I, don't, I rarely get like, you know, um, house painters applying for a software job. You know, it's just, I'm not going to see that very often unless they went to school and this is where recruiters can be lazy unless they went to school and did, you know, got a four year degree and they were a house vendor. They don't have a full time, they never done a full time job in software development. It's kind of a different story. So if you have like, you know, entry level programs, that's a great thing. But here's the other thing. And once again, it's personalization. That developer that you talked to that you just completely blew off in an interview in three years, is more than likely gonna be working somewhere doing that very thing. And they're going to remember you. Mm -hmm. They will remember you. I mean, I have, I actually have my own list of recruiters I'll never work with during my job searches. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's, you have to remember, it, it, people have long memories. And what was it, um, my grandmother used to say, but she took it from, um, oh, I can't think of a uh, famous poet, but she said, um, people will forget who you are, forget your name, forget what you look like, but they will never forget how you made them feel when they find out who you are. That's huge. That's huge. You know, so you have, I mean, it's a, it's a mind, it's a minefield that we're in on a constant basis. So just treat, treat everybody the same, treat them with respect, treat them with kindness, you know, be good in the world. 
So this whole engagement of how you initially engage with a, a potential candidate or a, a potential employee, um, that human interaction, right? Mm -hmm. the, yeah. um, putting out content that's relevant to them. So they ping you and, and say, hey, I'm a data um, developer. I'm a, um, a data scientist. Um, I saw that you were putting out these articles on Python or R or what have you. You seem to know what your stuff is, a way to drive traffic to you. Um, and I would say another one is like in the training element, you're talking about training live events. Like mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I do two types of events. I do the CTO roundtables at ctoroundtable.com and I do LAX tech recruit at techrecruit.io. So I do two conferences a year and I do um, monthly uh, mixers for, for um, software developers and engineers. Right. Mm -hmm. And through those, I get so many resumes versus the, um, you know, the, the outreach on the job boards and online and what have you. Cause yeah. they get to meet me, they get to see the face and they get to meet me in person. And, and that's way more profound. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I did an experiment. I actually wrote about it, uh, and, um, and posted it up. Uh, it was, um, Called, it was called the experiment that you were part of but didn't know you were. Okay. So for a year, Monday through Friday, between the hours of five and seven, I would post up a quote. It had nothing to do with anything. And I would quote people like George Carlin, um, uh, all kinds of different comedians. And then I would put sometimes up some really philosophical thoughts. So fast forward, just after this year, um, I reached out to a candidate, you know, I, I called them up and, and we started talking. And at the end of the conversation, she said to me, she goes, you know what? She goes, I follow you on LinkedIn. And she goes, the reason, and she goes, because I love to read your daily quotes. She goes, you, you guys, you are really funny. And you really put some really cool stuff. How the hell, how, how cool is that? Mm -hmm. I haven't even met this person yet. And she's already following me. Uh, you know, I have people on Twitter that follow me. They're just like, sometimes you say some really funny things. And there's always quotes. And always make sure if you get a quote and if it's unknown, then it's unknown. But never try to take a quote yourself, really, if you can. And I even put it there. Like, as long as I have, or sometimes I would take to, to mess with sorcerers, I just put in, like, GC. Right? And so, like, now it's like, what is G who's GC? So now you're going you're gonna to take the quote, you're going to drop it in, and you're going to find it. It's like, oh, it's George Carlin. It's always fun. Those are those fun little things. But I mean, my 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 spike on on Twitter and LinkedIn was through the roof there for a while. I've certainly seen on some of your posts, uh, hilarious hilarious posts, and mm -hmm. just you know, or light comedy, or just being like, uh, you know, what making fun of something or an idea or what have you. And uh, I think this one time somebody posted something that was like it was a very. Um, they took it very personally or something. And, oh, wow. and I think you, you responded back. That's a little heavy for a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> I was, and I thought that response, I mean, it just kind of took the heat out of the whole, like, he was like, Oh, like, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like, that's a little heavy for a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, we got, we had, I mean, there's haters going to hate kind of thing. I mean, on, Steve and I's article um, on my name is that we had somebody that came in and sh she just took it entirely too literally. 
She's like, oh, it's not really true. I'm like, yeah, it kind of is. Because, I mean, I went back and started talking to people. We, 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 I mean, this was a history of what we've heard candidates complain about. I mean, it's, it, you know, you go to Reddit. We had a lot of information at a Reddit, <laughs> um, you know, for that, for what candidates were saying. And it, it's, a, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. So, all right. I, I kind of like, too, what you were saying about the LinkedIn profile, right? Because that also kind of adds to your engagement with people and, and it's the content that you are putting out there. And, and you said that it has to attract, it has to be for the type of people that you are attracting, like who's coming and looking at your, your LinkedIn profile. So, so tell me a little bit about your own LinkedIn profile and maybe kind of if you, there was a time at which you looked at your profile and said, Oh gosh, I've been doing this. Cause I feel like for me, I've, had my profile out there and then I was like, Oh, I, I need to switch this up. And so I did. And I was like, I wish I never did that. But is there a, a, a certain architectural format that maybe you follow or advice you give to listeners about their LinkedIn profiles and how to go through them and some changes that they could make? Unless, like I said before, unless you're looking for a job, um, your resume, you, your LinkedIn shouldn't, I mean, it should have, your history, so on and so forth. I mean, that's how LinkedIn set it up years ago. They knew there were going to be a job board years before anybody else did. I mean, the smarter people in the country and you know, the, in the industry saw that a long time ago. Um, so in your summary, basically, instead of saying, this is all the things that I've done in my life, I tell them, I said, listen, you know, I'm, rec you know, I'm recruiting for XYZ. This is where I am. Um, I put in I put in hyperlinks. LinkedIn kind of at one point we got real snippy about phone numbers, um, when email addresses and contact information they still kind of are, um, but you can put your contact information in there for your company, and say hey contact me directly. You don't have to link in with me, but contact me directly. Send me your resume. If it looks good, I'll give you a call. And I tell them that I say you know give me I try to get to and also you know once again being human. So listen, sometimes I get inundated. Give me 24 or 48 hours to get back to you or to get to you. Um, a lot of times if your resume looks really like super spot on, like what I really, really want, then I'm, I mean, like I'm on them. I'm on I, seconds after I, I get the email, I call people. Um, and I've had some people actually literally say like, that's the first time in their life when they've looked for a job or a recruiter got back to them like that fast. I'm like, well, your resume looks that good for the position that I had posted up there. And I'm always willing, to, like I say, I'm always willing to have uh, conversations with, you know, back in the, uh, my last real job, big job in recruiting was data, uh, data analysts and data scientists. I mean, like, I'm always willing to talk to you. Now, yeah, you're going to get a lot of college grads. You're going to get a lot of uh, master's candidates that are coming out with master's degrees. And I kind of fight for the ones that when I go down and look on their resume, and yeah, they don't have a ton of practical experience. Well, they have what's intern internship practice experience. I'll call them and say, so when you were doing this, were you actually physically doing the job or were you getting coffee? And I'll start, I make, I make a joke of it. And I've had some people say, oh yeah, well I built this and I built that and it should be on your resume. Now I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't called you. And when then I write the summation that I send to the hiring manager, I say, hey, this person found me on LinkedIn just got their master. They just got their master's degree. They're a STEM candidate. Um, they've got uh, OPT for four years, which is two shots at the golden apple, the H one B. 
And here's here's their pedigree. And this is all the stuff they've done for the last two, three years. Oh, and by the way, they used to work in whatever country they came from for three years doing this work until they came to the United States to get a master's degree. So why aren't we, and managers don't sometimes look at that type of experience because they've become so linear, they've become so dehumanized that you gotta go fight for candidates sometimes. Yeah. So like, why would I wanna go reinvent the wheel when I got the wheel right in front of me? Yeah. You know, and add a lot of, that's, that was a VP that actually came to me and said, I'm hearing really good things about you because you're changing the way we look at hiring. I mean, you've got to be the voice inside. That's, that's, you can't just, I mean, it's, like I said, it's, for me, I'm passionate about it. You know what I mean? I'm passionate about the research. I'm passionate about the sources, but I'm also passionate about the candidates. You know, because it's really hard. I don't, I, know, I don't know a recruiter in the world that's really excited about picking up a phone and saying, hey, you didn't get it. I do. You have to. Because you never know what's going to happen three months from now. They're working. They're not happy in their job, but they're still working and they're compliant. And let's say, you know, within let's you know, 15 days later, the, another hiring manager comes running up to you and says, I need this type of person. I'm like, well, here's four resumes for you. These are all several medalists from these two different jobs that, you know, we just hired somebody else, but they're still really great candidates. The hiring, you can call the hiring manager and they'll tell you they really liked them. But they just like this person just a little bit more. And that's, and so why, why, why overwork yourself? Once you start building, that is the true, everybody likes to talk about pipelining candidates. I just don't understand that. They're human beings. They're not just standing there waiting for you to turn them on. But a silver medalist, that's a different story because they've already gone through the whole process. I already have their application. I've got their, I already have their resume. We've already had these conversations. I got, I got notes and documentation all the way through. All you really need to do, hiring manager, is pick up the phone and talk to this person and see if you think they're a fit or have them do a, a video chat with you and the team. And if you think that there's a personality fit, we already know they can do the job. Right, I mean, they got all the way through the process. Everybody liked the person. They like just liked that one other person better. And I've had people hired that way. Mm -hmm. I've had hiring managers come to me and say that we've never done that before. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I'd rather go. I'd rather have dinner than be on the phone. You know, I, I, it's it, this is what you, that's what you hire recruiters for. It's not to completely reinvent the wheel. It's a lot out there, and you get a lot of that from your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. You know. Um, that, that's what I think. And, and then put in your interests and be, uh, you know, the, the thing I have with like social media, LinkedIn is a social media tool. People aren't social on social media. Recruiters just don't, they're, they're, they're social with each other in the hidden groups, like on Facebook and on LinkedIn, but nobody's getting out there and getting into groups and, and just, and post something. You don't have to do it every day. It's pretty easy, by the way. You can get Hootsuite. Hootsuite will post it up on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter for you. Mm -hmm. No, we're not Facebook anymore. Actually, they got knocked off. Facebook won't let you do that anymore. So, um, but you can, and you, for like nine ninety five, you can schedule information to be sent out at different times. Um, what I like, like I said on LinkedIn, I was posting just fun quotes Monday through Friday. You know how long it took me? Five minutes. Not even that. I got to a point where I just started pulling sheets, and I just go to the sheets, and uh, you know all the quotes. Um, from different people that I, that, I, that I really, really liked, especially comedians. Um, they have pages, like, you know, and then I just cut and pasted or zoom info the page, clicked the page, dropped it in on a, on a document and a Google Doc. And that way I could just go through, I just scrolled through and say, what do, what do I feel like today? But today's like, today's Tuesday, right? So today's like one of those weird, Tuesday has no feel. Like Monday has a feel. Wednesday has a stupid nickname. 
you know, Thursday is, you know, thank God it's, thank God it's almost Friday kind of thing. And then Friday obviously has a really cool feel, but Tuesday is kind of like that, that, that broken stepchild. It's like Monday, but it's still not Monday. <laughs> you know, it's just like stuck in the middle. You know, it's like Wednesday, it's like, yeah, oh, two more days in the weekend. Yeah. Tuesday's like, what do you say, three more days to the weekend? No, it's boring. So yeah. on Tuesdays, I would, I, would go find, I would go find Tuesday quotes. And some stuff made sense. Like one of the quotes I used a long time ago, which I thought was funny, but most people didn't get it. It's like, they didn't want it good. They just wanted it by Tuesday. It's like, who says that? Uh-huh. But it makes people think. I, I like to think that people are like reading that thing. They're like, they're like, oh, wow. Like, you know. Derek Zeller just posted something and I, I got, I want to read it because I'm following them and they, they, they set it up and people don't know this. They, you can set up alerts, account alerts for people you're following on, on all media, Facebook, Twitter, um, and LinkedIn. So with people that are actually following you, the people that you made that you don't know yet, right? They, no, 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 no. It's on each account. So on Facebook, when you follow somebody on Facebook, you can set up an alert that says whenever this person posts something, it immediately comes into their box. And you don't have to be connected to them, they're just following you. Twitter's the same way. People have like um, hashtag recruiters or hashtag funny people, and they, you can put people in groups. And so what they're doing is instead of seeing this constant stream, you know, uh, on, on TweetDeck or on Twitter where you, it's almost impo- like you're trying to read something and like all of a sudden 20 more tweets come down. Um, you can put them into groups and then people will go to that group and they're going to read the people they want to read. And, you know, sometimes they have 30 people in there. Sometimes they only have 10, 15, 20, but I've been putting, I can tell because the, the, the Twitter will tell me, Hey, so you've just been added to a list, right? So there are lists. Um, Facebook doesn't do that. I just know on Facebook when I post something, I know a group of people that do follow me um, worldwide that will, you know, immediately like, or make a comment. It's kind of funny. I mean, it happens very quickly. Instagram's the same way. Um, I don't, they don't have a group function, but Instagram is becoming kind of like my new favorite thing. Um, I don't do it so much for recruiting as I do it for like my love of food, the big foodie. Um, and then I put just ironic pictures on there every once in a while, ironic selfies. Um, but it's an interesting, it's interesting because uh, if you're following somebody that's gonna come in through your feed, and, um, or if you're connected to them, you'll see it as well. Uh, and then and then LinkedIn does not have that kind of feature, um, but you can just follow somebody on LinkedIn. You don't have to be linked into them, and so you'll see what they write. It'll come to the top of your feeds. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's just like how people and, and you know people who really know how to do, like social media managers or, or you know community managers, they know that, um, and that's why the that's the other thing too is like when you post something on LinkedIn, um, down below at the very bottom, there are hashtags. And you should be filling out those hashtags. So those hashtags are group followers. Oh, yeah, LinkedIn does have it. So there are people that are going out and saying, I want to see what was posted in hashtag HR. I want to see what was posted in hashtag data science. So you have data scientists that are doing the same thing. They're, they're just going out and they don't want to go search for anything. It's just all right. It's just all handed to them. Just go to that. But they go to that hashtag and then all the lists of posts that have a hashtag to that hashtag will be in there. So that's a great way to get to people as well. I, sourcing doesn't always necessarily have to be me real, always reaching out to people. You can, if you get an internal group, you know, and this has been going on for a while. I learned this from Craig Fisher. I saw him speak once uh, uh, at a conference and uh, it blew my mind. He blew my mind. And so then Craig, I mean, I, went out to, I walked up to him and told him that and we ended up going and having a, a glass of wine and chatting. And 
we're still we're friends today. I mean, we're still talking. I do. I, I always give him a shout out. I always give him his props. Just, this isn't something I came up with. It's something Drake came up with. But that's what's the great thing about Tech Recruit Conference. I'm going to do a shout out for Stacy Broadwell right now. The reason why this is so cool is because it's a local conference. This isn't a three-day conference where you have to pay for a hotel, you have to pay for a flight, you got to sell it to your manager. You're not going to be gone for three days. I mean, how many recruiters are going to say, I'm going to take three days off to go to a conference and I'm not going to recruit? No. I've been to way too many of these things. I see you people with your computers open. I see you on the phone. I did it myself. I get it. So this is really cool. This is, a, this is eight hours out of your day. It's a drive away. It's usually free parking. You know, it's not costing you thousands of dollars. And you get to hear some really cool people talk. And the best part is, is that you get to network with people with inside the, the Los Angeles area. I know we got, you got one coming up in Chicago. This is a, a new, this is a big thing. This is a local conference talking about local problems, right? This is, you know, Silicon Beach is a thing now. You know, even up here in Portland, you know, they're calling it uh, the Silicon Forest. Because so many people are moving here. And, and, and doing startups because it's cheaper to do startups here than it is in, in the Bay Area. Hmm. And it's cheaper to buy a house here. Well, it used to be. Now it's getting kind of expensive. But um, it's an interesting spread. So you get to sit there and you get to kvitch and you get to complain and you get to talk. But the other thing that you find out is you get little tips and tricks. You know, you get to, and you're a recruiter. You should be being social with each other. This, this it boggles my mind sometimes why people don't do that. Now, I remember when I, back in the day, which was a Wednesday, Oh, shout out to a comedian. Um, I was approached by Recruit DC, one of the original local conferences. Um, 250, 300 people, they keep it pretty small. Um, sell it every year. And they do two conferences a, month, a year. And the director, Ben Gottskin at the time, and uh, his one of his board members uh, came and well, she, Catherine Smith is actually the one who really came to talk, and she, she wanted me to speak. You know, I'm, an, I'm, I'm like what Hemingway said. I'm a writer. Not a, not, I'm not an orist, a person that goes out and speaks. It's, it's not really always my thing. I, I do it on special occasions and for uh, lovely human beings. Um, but that's what Tech Recruit Conference is for me, is that you get to, you, it's, it's the sharing of ideas. It's learning things. You know, Dean comes in and talks about tools you've never heard of. Um, you know, the, uh, I talk about personalization, humanization. Um, I tell you tips, tips and tricks to find people without even tools. Um, and, you know, like there's a, my story about Lily the bartender, that she was my advocate, and I made a ton of hires off of her, and she was a bartender at a bar. But all these IT guys would come in because Lily was just gorgeous, and she poured a good drink. And she got to hear stories that I couldn't hear. Because when I, they found out I'm a recruiter, I mean, it was literally like I was, it's like I hadn't showered for three weeks. They just all moved. You know, they wanted away from me. But, but Lily? Oh, no. They want to talk to Lily. So when she found out about it, she gave them my card with her name on the back. She said, just put in the email. You know, Lily sent me, you know, and I told her, if they get hired, you get 500 bucks. And she ended up making like, I think it was five or 6,000 in one month. Wow. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And what was really crazy is my boss didn't know I was doing that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's a great story. You can read about it. You can find it online. Um, but yeah, that's just um, that's what I think that's this conference is all about. That's why I'm such I am such a, a fanboy of it. You know, um, and you do a, you do you did a phenomenal job in Orange County. I, I couldn't stop talking about it. 
and the great thing was is the people came up to me and said, you know, I loved what you said in your presentation. Like, you know, Dean was technical and then you were human and we learned how we can do take both and, and mash it together. It was a great mashup. And you got some great speakers coming up. Lou Adler, was, he was my hero. He was my trainer, whether he knew it or not. Um, I, I, I can't, I know I have the tapes somewhere. I'm pretty sure I have all of his books. Um, you know, Lou's amazing. He's been in the industry forever and he's still relevant. He's still, he's still point on. He keeps up, you know, he keeps going on and he's just, and he's just a, and he's a great speaker to listen to. He's a great speaker to listen to. We've got some other great people coming. I know. Uh, so if you're, uh, if you're on the fence with tech recruit conference, uh, at UCR one this year, um, get off the fence, just sign up. It's worth it. And if your company's not going to pay for it, you know what? I'm pretty sure you're making good money. This is worth the investment. I mean, if you went to school, this is you don't have to take out a loan. <laughs> There's no loan payments to go to Tech Recruit, right? So it's Tech Recruit. That's what I got to say. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Derek. I really appreciate it. I want to ask you, I'm going to end with five questions for Derek Zeller. Five fast questions? Yeah. Are the yes, no questions? Are the yes, no? <laughs> no, no. Well, no. Actually, you have to elaborate. Oh. Um, how many books have you written? I've written two. Uh, there are books of uh, one book. The first book um, I wrote, they're both on Amazon. The first book was um, uh, a book of poetry I wrote when I was like 19. Um, really cool. Uh, I, will, I, I will say with both books, they're, dark, they're a little dark. Um, the, some of the stories I have, you're gonna, it's going to make you think. Um, the second book is a little bit longer. It's a lot more poetry. It's all new stuff that I wrote in the last year, year and a half. Um, and uh, the first one is Thoughts and Poems for the Common Educated Man. And the other one is, um, I can't remember. <laughs> it's over on the show. But you can find them on Amazon. Just put in Derek Zeller. I'm the only author underneath Derek Zeller. So, uh, And I'm working on my third book right now. Um, the working title is kind of fun. It's called When You Give Up Hope, You Feel Much Better. So <laughs> in these times... In these times and eras, so it's going to be another series of poems and short stories. Um, so yeah, there you go. And you've co-authored a book. <clears throat> oh well, Dean DeCosta's book. I yeah, it was more of an editorial. Um, I just kind of cleaned it up, although Amazon kind of screwed up on the printing. So we are sorry for that. There's like one or two places where it bled over. They did it on my first book too. I mean, there's just something like you can do about it. Um, but yeah, Dean's Dean's uh, tips, tools, and tricks. That book is predominantly for newer recruiters. If you're a senior recruiter, that's not the book for you. There's other books out there. In fact, um, Katrina Collier is coming out with her book. Oh, I think it's actually online now. She just came out with it. Super exciting. I think she actually launched it today. The take uh, how to be human or how the how, how the to resist robots, robots or something. And recruiters or something. Yeah, how to resist robots or how to beat robots or something. It was. It's an interesting, I talked to her, I don't, know, I don't think I'm in the book, but we had multiple conversations over the years at conferences. She's an amazing woman, good friend. Um, but yeah, yeah, get Dean's book if you're new. It's a really great book. I got um, it. Yeah, I do too. Well, I know I have like multiple copies. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my next question. Um, you've been to many conferences over the years. Too many. What topic or speaker is something that will always stand out in your mind is you can't forget that that experience wow that's an on the spot question 
there's been so many i mean i mean I, the, the list is insane i think mean, i think craig fisher's phenomenal um he's just an amazing orator um jim stroud always blows me always blows me away because i love the way he he works with the audience he he makes you he makes you say things he, he makes you actually speak out because he'll point at you and ask you a question and he gets the audience all involved and drives them into this journey it's like really amazing um katrina collier is phenomenal and an amazing speaker amy miller amy miller and um i can't think of my niece's last name um but amy miller did her first speaking event ever at recruit dc a couple of years ago and nobody believed that that was the first time she's ever done public speaking she was amazing and it was people like me and pete radloff Hold on, it froze. Front row, and yeah. And last but not least, probably the biggest shout out would be for me because he's a personal hero and one of my other trainers on top of Lou Adler, who is also a phenomenal speaker. But the one, the one time it was my first conference, national conference that I ever been to, and it was Glenn Cathy, who uh, has a website, Boolean Black Belt. You should check it out. It's all kinds of free Boolean tips. He's been running it for years. Um, he's a senior VP, I think, at, I don't know where he went. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but he's an amazingly gifted person, and he trained me so much. And I got to meet him for the first time at that conference, and he was keynoting. And he and I had, uh, we had a speaker dinner the night before, you know, before the, the conference started, and I was the speaker that I was talking about OCCP. And I got to sit next to him and some of these really big names in the industry. And I was like a little kid with Glenn and he's the nicest, most genuine human being I've ever met. He really is just a phenomenal person. And he's very almost introverted to a certain degree. When he finished his speech, he came out and he saw me and he, he, we caught each other's eyes and he came walking over and he said, you got a sec? And I'm like, sure. And we, we kind of went over to this corner and he's asked me, he said, how did I do? Do you think do you think everybody got it? Do you think people liked it? And I'm like, I'm dying inside. And this is like one of my heroes just asking my opinion on his speech. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And Glenn is now has become a very good dear friend of mine. And he's uh, he's somebody to always he's always in, he's always got something interesting to talk about. And it's not just direct, it's a very very like broad strokes. It's very broad strokes. I have um, five of those speaking at Tech Recruit in um, in Los Angeles, at LAX Tech Recruit. So I'll work on Glenn and Katrina. I'm coming for you, Glenn and Katrina. Well, Katrina's, yeah, I mean, Katrina won't be terribly difficult because she lives in London, oh. but she loves hopping, but she loves hopping over the pond. Uh, I mean, she'll, and she, she loves the LA area. Uh, she just loves, you know, I mean, and that's what she does pretty much. I mean, she's a consultant and 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 she's just, she's an amazing lady, a really good person. All right, so what is your biggest pet peeve? Spam. Ah. Spam is my biggest pet peeve because it's like, it, this is the dehumanization of recruiting and it's continuously happening. And I'm, I really don't like RPOs, sorry RPOs. I just don't like the way your, your model is just, it's it's horrific. I, I just can't, and I know it's not just in the U.S. and that there's a ton of RPOs that are coming out of India. They're doing the same thing. But all you're doing is you're finding, you're, you're using 
machine learning to go and find a keyword on a person's resume. You're not reading the resume, you're not personalizing the email, or you're trying to personalize it, but then you're just like, it's like, hey, you know, great background. Uh, I'd love to chat with you about, you know, a graphics design position or a systems administrator. I'm like, dude, I'm a recruiter. Where is where is we used to, um, we had, there's this group out, I don't know if it's closed or not called, that Steve started called the Unprofessional LinkedIn, where we would, we would have, we, people would just post these ridiculous spam emails that they would get as a recruiter. And we're sort of imagining if you're an actual person who's actually looking, or you're a person who's on the verge of losing their house because you don't have a job and you're getting all of this crap, and you're super excited because you open up your email, I got all these emails from recruiters, you know? And then all of a sudden you read it and it's like, none of these are jobs that I do. You know I mean? So you just keep raising them up and then tossing them off the, the top of the building emotionally. And that just, that just, oh, and yes, I have. We, in fact, a group of us started actually writing back to recruiters like, you know, hey, uh, Susan, Bill, whatever, you know, maybe you would take, should take the time to be an actual human being and take a look at my resume. Here's this was really crazy. A recruiter who I actually know we're, we're friends. We used to work together, her and I. She sent me a spam email for a systems administrator. Yeah. And I wrote her, and I'm like, I always, all I did is I wrote, I had like little arrows, and I said, really? Could this question mark? That's all I said. And she got right back to me. She's like, oh my God. She's like, well, the company she was this, they're desperate for these roles. And so they were just, they were just, just they were just spamming out like, 500 to a thousand emails a day through this automated system. She had no control over it, but I'm like, but you know, you know, your, your lady, your name's on it. You know, that's you, that's your name. You know, maybe three years from now, you're not at that company anymore. You know what I mean? Or maybe she, she said she had no control. Over it. it wasn't me. It was like, I usually respond back rookie. Yeah. I just said, I, but I knew her. And I know, I know that's not the way, I mean, I've worked with her. I know that's not how she does things. And that's why I was just like, really? And we had a long conversation. And we had a good phone conversation. She, I mean, she has my, my cell phone. She called me. Who could not have a bad phone conversation with you? Huh? Who could not have a bad phone conversation with you? Ooh. You're so engaging. You have so much great things to say and offer. I'm always taking notes when we talk. We talk like <laughs> twice a week. I know we do. Um, Wait, I have another question. Who yeah, are totally your, I have two more questions. <laughs> Who are your mentors? Have you had any mentors? Um, I mean, not in a personalizational way, but like I said, I mean, I learned a lot from Lou. I learned a lot from Glenn. Um, but I'm learning every day. Um, you know, I have conversations with Dean almost daily. I have conversations with Steve Levy almost daily. Um, I mean, the shout out, the list of names, uh, Stacy Zapar. I've known Stacy for over 20 years now, I think. You know, I mean, we both used to work. She lives in San Diego. I used to recruit in San Diego for a couple of companies. You know, just small companies like Geico and SAIC. And um, we were part of the Recruiter Roundtable that she started years and years ago. And she's, she's an amazing lady. I mean, having come, she's a, she was the original, she was the first person in recruiting to actually start writing script to find people. And she was at one point, the, the lady, the most connected woman on LinkedIn. You know, I, I, most people don't remember that if you don't know Stacy, she, she runs a recruiting agency, recruiting recruiters now. 
and she used to do a ton of public speaking and 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 training, and she just didn't want to be on the road anymore. She's got kids, and you know, this, you know, it's, you know. So um, I think those are probably my tops. Uh, I'd even I'd say even to a certain degree, like Shannon Shannon Pritchett, um, definitely Jim Stroud, another guy I was just blown away when I when I met him because um, I followed him. He's written a couple of great books. Sally Steckler mm-hmm. uh, for TSI. Just a, I mean, he's beyond, he's beyond, he's beyond, he's, to me, he is the true godfather of sourcing. Like, there, I mean, he, he was it, that was it. And then last but not least, a lot I've learned from would be uh, Recruiting Toolbox, which is uh, Carmen Hudson, John Vestaleka, and, um, uh, oh, he's going to kill me, <laughs> Ben Gotkin. We started ATAP, the Association of, uh, Talent Acquisition Professionals. If you haven't heard about that, please take a look at it. It's a great foundation and organization. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm actually a charter member. I was a founding member. Oh, I did yeah. not. I did not know that. Yeah, the whole story boils down to it was uh, not John Sumner. Who was it? Um, well, Jerry Crispin, Matt Charney, myself. We were all in New York for uh, uh, Bill Borman's True event a number of years ago. And uh, Jerry and I always have very odd philosophical conversations about recruiting and, and, and how things are going. You know, he runs the Candy Awards and Candidate Experience Awards, very, that's his big thing. And Jerry and I were talking and I said, you know, everybody's got a, like, you know, an association. I mean, you know, or a union of some sort. I said, we're the only, we're the only organization, and this is right when, um, there was all the rumors of the new OFCCP changes were coming, and EEOC, you know, was, was always hounding HR and recruiting, and it was just kind of a big thing. I said, why don't we have something? Why don't we have a lobbyist? Why don't we have somebody that gets to go and talk to Congress and say, hey, that's not going to work, you know? I said, we don't have that. And Jerry's like, Jerry said to me, he's like, he goes, I've been wanting to do that for years, because at the time, um, Sherm had walked away from recruiting. They just left it off the table because they didn't see any. They couldn't make money on it. Now they realize they can, and they're they're desperately trying to get back into the conversation. But we had this really conversation. So on the train home, because I took a train, it's just easier uh, from New York. So, and on the train, it's like it's like a four and a half hour train ride back to D.C. I ended up writing this whole thing about why there should be an association, and it was interesting because I thought we would get a, a very positive response, and we didn't. There was a number of people that were very adamantly like, oh, you can't, we can't do that. That's going to be, you know, authoritarianism and all this other stuff. And then Ben reached out to me and he had had a conversation with Jerry and Ben already had written an entire white paper on how to build an association. And Ben, you know, he built Recruit DC and to him, it's like, this is the next level. And so now I was part, I mean, there's a number of, I'm not going to drop names if you're doing that enough, but there's a ton of people that have been in the industry for a long time. And we, all decided collectively that we weren't going to be on the board. Um, we're here to participate. It's all voluntary of the things that we do and the groups and the papers that we're writing and the things that are being put together right now. Um, in fact, there's a big thing that they're doing right now with ageism, um, uh, you know, on a, a, a global standpoint, not just, not just national. It's not a national epidemic. It's a global standpoint now. Um, and I'm really excited for when that comes out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I was on the team of uh, investigating and talking with 
people that were are in our industry that to build the board and we have, we built the first board and there's some great people on that board and they're doing some great work and it's a it's a it's a very good cause and it's still young it's we're still you know, we're still growing but i think by the time i talked to ben i think we had we're close to two thousand members wow like over two thousand now mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah i'm i'm i i have a call into ben I, and we haven't talked in a while and i, I want to talk to him because i want to see about him coming out to la to a LAX tech recruit. You should. When I first spoke with Ben Gotkin was, um, he had, he was talking about trying to like get a group going out here in Los Angeles and, you know, people just weren't showing up. And I had a similar uh, conversation with Todd Rafael. He tried to get something going out here in Los Angeles and he just couldn't get it going. But so I started something out here in Los Angeles and I'm getting it going. I know you are. I would love to have him come out. We had a great crowd in Orange County. It was, and I mean, I heard, I heard literally nothing but positive responses from people saying, wow, I didn't know about that. And uh, if once again, if you're on the fence, get off. Um, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be working uh, with somebody over there. We're going to do a, a happy hour somewhere after yeah. the show. So if you want to wait for the, di- the, for the traffic to die down, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to find something local and, and see if we can get a sponsor for it. But uh, so it's you're gonna say, you've stepped in, you, you're mentoring me. You've stepped in as my mentor and we have our one-on-one calls and we yeah. talk a lot about the industry and, and acclimating to that and understanding the opportunities and where we can grow uh, the conference. But also you're taking on a project for the conference. You're gonna be our master of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Right? I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. Uh, you know, uh, it, 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 I want this to be this. I mean, it's professional because we're talking about our profession and I get that, but I also want this to be an enjoyable time for everybody. And I want people to let their hair down as they say, you know, I, I want you to, to, you know, check the attitude at the door and come in and just see a startup, like a good group in the LA. Yeah, you, know, you know, like I, it, and this conference could be kind of the core start of that, and then have conversations. Maybe put together, you know, a chapter within side for just for recruiting in LA. All kinds of things can happen, but it doesn't happen if you don't show up, right? You can't win. It's like the lottery. You can't win if you don't play. All right. So my last question: What is your favorite food? You vlog so much about your food, and you're always taking pictures. I just love food. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess like a food category or an actual food. Oh food. my god, you're so cute. You're like, I love food. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. Uh, actual food. If you go into a restaurant and they have that on the menu, that is, you're the connoisseur of that food, and you'll know right away whether it's it's worthy. I tell you, I tell you what my, wow, it's a tie. I'm a big pizza guy, but it's got to be New York style. But the other thing I, I love, and I rarely can find it, there is actually a place here in town that does it. It's a restaurant called Clyde's um, that, makes, that makes it the way I think it should be made in the traditional sense is beef stroganoff with egg noodles and the cubes of beef and the dark brown gravy. It's just, it's, really really amazing <laughs> it's it's i only go there about maybe once a month because it it's very rich and it's very fattening i've been trying to trying to trim it down a little bit you know um 
but uh, it's a great when you go in. It's like it's like stepping back into the seventies. It's the you know you go into like the the restaurant area and it's old school with you know cloth napkins so on so forth. And then you go into the bar area. Um, they have live music, and but it's dark. It's like very dark. You know, just like the old seventies bars. It's just very very dark, and I just love I love that. I think that's. Fun. I do too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just like it's, those it's, old Italian restaurants. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I told a friend. I mean, I could eat. I could eat. I could eat. I mean, I won't do it, but I could eat three groups of of food probably that lean to me the most are um, Italian, oh. Chinese, and wait for it, Mediterranean. I love a good kebab. And falafel, I die for. There's a great place in Los Angeles, by the way, Stacy, that I'd love to take. I might come in an extra day or stay over an extra day. And um, and anybody who stays over, if you're like taking a late flight the next day or something like that, or you're going to come in early, this might be a place where I got to look up the location. But there's a place over by UCLA campus, um, and it's called Falafel King. And it is amazing. Shout out to Falafel King. I hope they're still in business. They, they used to be the little, they used to be like a little, like one of the original food trucks, like this little, this little Oh, I might talk to them. So the owner, the last time when I was working in LA years and years and years ago, I was so bummed because I went to go find Falafel King and it wasn't there. So I ended up going to this Italian restaurant and I had some great Italian food and I'm walking over because I knew there was this little bookstore I wanted to go to and what's across the street from me that's this huge restaurant, Falafel King. And I'm just pissed. I'm like, I walked in, I got my book, and, and I walked into Falafel King, and the owner is there. Now, I don't know who's the owner, really. I didn't know who the owner was, really, or don't remember. And he's like, hey, welcome to Falafel King. I said, I go, what happened? I'm like, this is huge. He's like, yeah. He goes, we just outgrew the business, and then the guy wanted to sell the lot because there's a whole new you know, building there. And he goes, so I took a shot, and I, you know, I got this place. And I'm like, I remember when I was like, in my early 20s, when my buddy was going to USC, but he lived down the street, lived in Century City. So we used to come here, and I mean, I used to live in that, in that, in your little restaurant. I just died for your falafel. I said, I just ate, but I gotta tell you something. Give me a falafel. And he laughed, and he's like, are you kidding? And like, he remembers, like, he goes, you really do remember everything. I'm like, yeah, I remember. I said, I said you have the, right, the best tahini sauce. I mean, just, the, it's just, oh, it's fantastic. And it's also vegan. You know, so um, and uh, so I, I remember it, I ended up breaking bread with him. He was, came over to the table and sat with me, and we looked out of falafel. And uh, he paid, he picked up the check. He said that was the best time he's had in a long time, and it was really neat. So if you're if we're there, we'll throw it It just hit me right now. I'm like, oh my god, that's right. We should because um, okay, so Lou Adler is our keynote for the for LAX Tech Recruit in July. And um, he was adamant that I not have pizza again this time. <laughs> he was like, what are you having? You gotta have something healthy like salad and fish. That makes everybody sleepy and you know, you can't have yeah. that at a conference. And so, um, so we have to have good food. Um, yeah. Um, All right, I'll look into that. I'll see if we can get, I think the transport is might be the only major issue, but we'll figure it out. I'll see what else is around there. Yeah, yeah, that could be. Because well, we'll he's see. up in um he's up near the like I said the UCLA campus and I know traffic there I don't know how I don't know if that's going to work or not but we'll figure something out we'll figure it out it's actually because it's in Silicon Beach it's not it's not 
that bad of a drive, but um, yeah, there might be closer options. There's lots of restaurants down there. That whole five years ago, it was a marsh, and then Microsoft moved in. They they took over this old post office, and then all of a sudden, the entire street of Jefferson, all the way from the coast to the 405, is all tech companies. Yeah, like, that's what happened. The building we're in is completely new. I think that when I visited it last time, the elevators were still wooden, and I showed you around. Oh, it froze. <laughs> okay, there you are. Okay. I, I showed you around. I mean, that the, it's just all tech and, and that whole industry is just awesome. Like Google moved in next door and I was talking to Amy Miller about that, who's gonna be speaking. She's gonna come down and work at the Google on the Playa Vista campus, right next to where the venue is and didn't just walk over. Um, oh, nice. Which we're assuming that's what everybody's gonna be doing. They're just gonna be walking over because there's so many companies in that in that core little district. That's cool, that's awesome. It was awesome talking to you. Derek Zeller, thank you so much for being a guest on the Tech Recruit Podcast. Have awesome. a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye.